Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. We welcome back the Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, Chandler Rome, who's joining us from the Metroplex. Great to have you back, Chandler, and I'm guessing you're about as ready as you can be to spend more than two or three days in Houston for the first time in a couple of months, just like the Astros players. Correct. I've I've slept in my own bed in Houston for a grand total of two days since February 12th. So, yes, I'm very <laughs> Uh, I Florida's great. Dallas is, I guess, all right. But but Houston will be very nice to see and, and get back and, and sleep in a place that I'm familiar with. All right. As we're connecting the Astros off to a two and four start, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far? And I guess two options could be the clutch hitting their four for 40 with runners in scoring position or the base running problems. I think when you talk about both of those things, I think there's a risk reward, certainly with the base running. I wrote about it today. Um, this was something that we wrote about in spring training, that, that the Astros wanted to be more aggressive on the base pass. George Springer lost 15 pounds in the offseason just to do it. Um, you know, you've got Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, who are both healthy now. Um, this is a team last year that only attempted 98 stolen bases. And in A.J. Hinch's previous three years, they had attempted at least 140. So there was a definite decline, and there were reasons why there was a decline, like I just mentioned. Springer was a little bit heavier. Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve played hurt. Um, a, a lot of things happened. And you'll remember last year, too, the Astros grounded into a franchise record uh, number of double plays. So uh, I think all of that is sort of a byproduct as to what you're seeing on the base paths. I think last night was a, a bigger step in the right direction. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday. And in Tuesday night's game, L um, uh, the Astros stole four bases. Um, they were four for four, and that got their average up to 50%. They're now five for 10 on the season. Um, but there have been some aggressive mistakes. Alex Bregman was picked off of first base on Monday, and then yesterday we took too wide of a turnaround first and was and a throw behind got him. And, you know, that, that's, that's going to happen when, when you want to be an aggressive base running team. And the Astros have shown through six games that they're going to be a lot more aggressive pre-pitch, a lot more aggressive you know, during pitches, not even just when the ball's in play. And then I think offensively, I, I'd be a little more worried if they had, like you mentioned, they're four for 40 with runners in scoring position, that, they have four, that they've had 40 at-bats with runners in scoring position is a good sign. Granted, you'd like to be better than four for 40, but it'd be a little more worrisome if they just weren't getting hits. Um, they looked good last night. I thought their at-bats last night were fine. Uh, I thought during the Tampa series that toward the end of the series, their at-bats started to suffer a little bit. The quality wasn't there. But I thought, I think in Arlington, they've really put together some good at-bats. And whether it's been some bad luck, they've, they've hit balls on the nose right to people, whether it's just been guys not coming through in the clutch. You, you can't teach clutch hitting. You can't move a guy up and down in the order. You, there, there's no play you can call or play you can draw up to say, hey, get a clutch hit here. It just has to happen. Um, so um, I'm not worried about the offense just yet. Obviously, it hasn't looked good uh, through the first six games, but I'd be a little more concerned if they didn't have as many opportunities as they're having because it shows that they're hitting the ball. They're just not hitting it at the right time. Two of their Mount Rushmore, I guess you would say, Altuve and Correa coming off injuries Altuve, is there anything to be concerned? He hit 250 in the spring, 174 as we speak. I mean, he could go four for five in tonight's game, and it would all sound silly, but the standard so high for him. You wonder if there's anything wrong. What are you seeing? Uh, I think he's fine. Um, he and Alex Bregman both have gotten off to really you know, slow starts for, for their 
for their sort of expectations. And um, I, I think both of them are fine. I, again, I, I think their at-bats are fine. Jose Altuve's never been a guy that um, is likes to work at-bats, if you will. He, he finds his pitch and he hunts it. So, you know, when you see him swinging first pitch, when you see him swinging a couple times uh, – early encounters, you know, that's just kind of been his MO for, for a lot of his career. And he's a really good hitter and he's got really good pitch selection and can do that. Um, I'm not worried about him. I think he's fully healthy. I think you're seeing him steal bases. I think you're seeing him play good defense and that shows that the knee is a hundred percent healthy. And he's just kind of in the same rut that a lot of these guys are in right now that, that they need to see a couple balls fall, balls, find holes, things like that. And, and it'll get better. Um, but when you're talking about Carlos Correa, I think he has been unquestionably the biggest, um, the best sign throughout these first six games. He looks as healthy as Carlos Correa can look. He's hitting balls with exit velocities at 112, 113 miles an hour, which he couldn't do last year. He hit two balls last year in excess of 112 miles an hour. He's hit two in the first six games. That shows that he's healthy. That shows that he's not restricted on his swing. He's going, he's going the other way really well. He made an unbelievable play in center and basically in short center field last night in the hole um, on defense. So he is fully healthy and he is off to a really good start. Now, when the guy, if the guys around him can sort of replicate that, this is going to be a dangerous lineup. But I think the biggest takeaway that you can have through the first six games is Carlos Correa is completely healthy and he's really, uh, he, he, it's a small sample size but he looks to be in rookie of the year, all-star form. You might've written about this, but was there any connection with the neck stiffness in his back or this is to- two totally separate things? No. So uh, I think the third to last game they played in West Palm beach, um, there was a rundown between first and second base. I think it was Michael Conforto from the Mets got to know a rundown between first and second. And during the rundown, Carlos Correa was chasing him back to first and he tripped when going to tag him, and he fell head over heels and actually landed on his shoulder. But he said all of his stiffness and all of his soreness was in his neck. Um, so the Astros really did dodge a bullet there because if it was going to be something with his shoulder, that would have been far more severe. But um, it, it was not that big of an issue. I, I don't. Th- I think it lasted a little longer than maybe the Astros anticipated. I don't think they thought he was going to miss opening day in the first three games of the season when it happened, but it just sort of lingered for a little bit. And as we saw last year when Correa tried to play through a lot of injuries, it doesn't go well when he tries to do that. So they're going to exercise an abundance of caution, and, and they did that. But, no, it has nothing to do with the back. He's Every time we talk to him, it seems, um, even when we don't ask about his health, He's he's the, he's the first person to tell us that his back feels 100% and that his back is uh, – perfectly fine and nowhere near uh where it was last year are the guys giving him the business at all about the youtube stuff with uh him and daniela <laughs> i don't know i don't know i mean Al, they don't, there's guys in the locker room that don't have much room to talk i mean alex bregman puts, <laughs> puts his whole life on youtube too but I, I don't think so i think and and you know what personally i i, I like that uh, i like what bregman's doing i like what correa is doing on youtube i think for the sport in general it's good um, because for so long, a lot of these players were so buttoned up and you never really got to know them. And um, this is a sport that's in need of marketing and they need to market their stars to different demographics. And Alex Bregman certainly does that with his many, many YouTube videos and Instagram posts. Carlos Correa is obviously 
with, with Daniela, they're targeting a maybe a little bit of a different audience, but certainly any any audience that they can target and get into baseball, I think, is certainly good for the sport. A sport right now that um, is always in search of better ways to market itself and better ways to kind of get with the modern times. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and and it's exactly what Bregman's been trying to do. I'm wondering because you know you see these guys go to other ballparks, not just. Uh, with the Astros, and you saw them at spring training. I mean, the Astros have so many star players. Is is there a particular guy? Is there one guy that when he walks out, the fans go a little bit more crazy, or you see a different reaction from some of the others? I mean, Altuve and Correa always get that treatment, but you're seeing Bregman get a ton more now. Obviously, with with like we mentioned, he's he's put his whole life out on social media, and a lot you're seeing a lot of younger fans, a lot of. Um, fans in the teens and maybe even younger than that adolescents to teenagers they're really gravitating toward Alex Bregman you see a little bit of an older crowd and I'm not saying all the uh, old people but you're seeing a little bit older adults that that go to Altuve that go to Correa that go to Springer but you're seeing Alex Bregman really draw maybe a, a little bit of a younger crowd and the, the kids it seems when I always kind of judge by who gets the biggest yell and who asked the most for autographs and in Texas it's certainly been Alex Bregman I think but Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa are, are always the two guys that really get the, the the biggest shouts but Alex Bregman again has drawn a little different clientele. AJ Hinch has Brantley in the four spot so far he could put him anywhere in the first six spots to break up the righties has he given you a reason why he picked the four spot? If Carlos Correa is hitting the way he's hitting, I, I think you like to have Correa behind Brantley because, like like you mentioned, that is a right-handed heavy top of the lineup. And Michael Brantley is not a guy that's going to strike out. Michael Brantley is not a guy that's going to give you a two- or three-pitch plate appearance. They can't pitch around him because he's going to get on base. I, I think you, you can't pitch around Brantley to get to, to, get to Correa and – um, Brantley's a guy, he's not going to wow you with his power, but he's going to give you a really good professional at bat. And I think hitting him there and getting Correa fifth, it almost ensures that Correa is going to come up with somebody on base, whether in, like we just mentioned, um, Brantley's a guy that, that puts the ball in play a ton. Um, he's more likely than not to get on base. He had the second lowest strikeout rate, um, among all major league players last year. So he's a really the, the likelihood that he gets on base is quite high. And when you've got the top three that you do, you would think that it, when this lineup's going right, at least one of them would be on base. And I don't know who you'd want up right now um, with two outs and two guys on or one out and two guys on than Carlos Correa. So I, I like that configuration. and It'll continue like that for the foreseeable future. Were you surprised at any of the extensions the Astros handed out? And Maybe I missed it if, if Jeff Luno said this, but – is he still open to doing extensions in season with perhaps maybe Cole or Springer? So I asked Jeff Luno that yesterday, actually. We talked to him yesterday a little bit in the dugout uh, before the before the game. And um, he acknowledged that during the season, it's a lot more difficult to hammer extensions out. He said he, he's not going to close the door on it, but he didn't sound as if they were going to get anything done. He said He said conversations would probably continue through the season, but – he sounded very uh, – he did not sound like a guy that's going to be extending any more people. Um, but but sure, I, I think they could have conversations with guys like George Springer who said in spring training he is open to an extension, who said he's had conversations with his agent about a possible extension. Um, Garrett Cole, however, I, I don't foresee that happening just based on some of the comments he 
told the Chronicle at spring training and um, just the how Scott Boris usually handles his clients and extensions. Um, obviously, Jose Altuve is a Scott Boris client, and he was extended two years ago. But you've seen with Scott Boris clients that get extended – the player really wants the extension. You saw Xander Bogarts just got one from the Red Sox, and Jose Altuve did the same a couple of years ago. Scott Boris, though, he likes his clients to go into free agency, and I, I would expect that that's where Garrett Cole ends up after this year. But I'm not never say never. Um, as far as the extensions they did hand out, I wasn't surprised with Presley, and I wasn't surprised with Bregman. I was surprised, I guess, only in the dollar amount by Justin Verlander, just because, as Jeff Luno said at the news conference, the Astros don't normally make a player the highest paid in baseball history. And that's what they did with, with Verlander, make, giving him the highest AAV ever for a pitcher. Um, but they needed to do it because, as it's been well documented, they're, they're, they're going to lose a ton from their rotation after this year. Um, not counting Verlander now, three-fifths of their rotation is going to be a free agent after this season. And Garrett Cole, Colin McHugh, and Wade Miley. So they've got a lot of prospects on the come-up. They've got guys that are bordering upon Major League ready, but you need kind of some veteran anchors of that rotation. With Lance McCullers coming back next year and, and Justin Verlander now locked up, it seems that you have that at the front of the rotation. You wrote about Brad Peacock adding a changeup over the offseason. One of my favorite story is just very odd can you tell that story and did you see him use that much at all in his first outing yeah so peacock went into the offseason knowing he was going to be in competition for the rotation spot and his slider really kind of lost its effectiveness in the bullpen last year so he knew he had to add something to to make him to make him a better matchup against left-handed hitters and to just bury his arsenal a little bit so he didn't have to rely so much on the slider and he follows Pitching Ninja on Twitter, just like a lot of us do. And uh, Pitching Ninja posted a video of Trevor Hoffman teaching his changeup grip to some some kids. And Brad Peacock started gripping his changeup like that, and it's worked for him pretty well. Um, in his first outing, he threw – I think he threw eight of them. And they weren't – and this is not going to be a pitch that he relies heavily on. This is just going to be a pitch that he can show. And if he throws it five to seven times an outing, that'll be about an average number for him. But he's going he's going to be able to keep hitters honest, and he's going to be able to use the changeup to kind of offset his slider and curveball. Because last season in the bullpen, the slider lost its effectiveness because he was too he he was too reliant on it. He threw it too much, and adding this into his arsenal allows him to to mix his pitches and I thought he mixed his pitches very well in his first start um, here in Texas so I don't expect to see a ton of change-ups but just the fact that he has it the fact that he can land it and the fact that he has to keep hitters honest with it is going to pay huge dividends um, down the road if he if he continues in the rotation I love Colin McHugh's podcast is it a must listen for you right now I like it and I actually asked him yesterday who's the next on it. And he, he recorded one with Sean Doolittle, um, the, the, the nationals pitcher. They recorded that at spring training and that's coming out apparently soon, but he's, he's in talks with Brent Strom to get Brent Strom on the, on the, on the podcast. And I think that would be a fantastic listen. Cause uh, I mean, I don't know, not a lot of people get to talk to Brent Strom. We don't even as beat writers, the Astros make their assistant coaches off limits to the media, but, but Stromy is as intelligent and as funny and as just, 
he's got a baseball mind that that rivals any in the game and i think having him on the podcast would be unbelievable and that would be that would i would listen to that the moment it drops i was about to say do you get a chance to say how you feeling brett can you say anything to brett <laughs> i mean we can have conversations with them and, and and the astros try to they try to hedge their little band by saying um they, they try to hedge their little band by saying oh you can you can request them and we can Maybe uh, we can maybe set something up, but there's a, every other club in the in the in the league. Their their coaches are available after games. Their coaches are available whenever you need them. So it, it's a little bit of a disappointment because the Astros have some really talented, really smart guys on their staff, and and Brent Strom, Alex Centron, the hitting coach, Troy Snickers, one of the up and coming, uh, one of the up and coming hitting coaches in the in the league, the son of Brian Snicker. He's in his first year on the staff. I wish we could speak to those guys and kind of share their stories and get some insights because I could probably give you better insights as to why the offense is struggling a little bit right now. If I was able to talk to the hitting coaches, if I was able to talk to guys that know hitting best, but you know, it's kind of the world we live in. So we sort of deal with it the best we can. I'm going to let you go back to beating Jake Kaplan on stories here. Uh, (laughs) I love you, Jake, (laughs) but uh, Hey, thanks for doing this and looking forward to get you and the Astros home in the next couple of days. All right. Thank you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, listener. Are you a fan of Houston Cougar Athletics? Well, Sam and I have got the perfect podcast for you. It's the Scott and Holman Podcast. Yeah, we're talking all things Houston Cougars, in-season, off-season, recruiting, on-field results. If it's Houston Cougars, we're talking about it. So search Scott and Holman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.